Shalom, this is Yara Ben Emmett with the Torah Watchman Podcast channel. God bless you. I truly hope that you're doing well. It is so nice to talk to you again. The title of this podcast edition is How did Jesus really, how was he really crucified? How was Jesus really crucified? A lot of people that hear that statement, especially if you're Christians and not Jews, you may say, why you ask me such an obvious question that is clearly in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Well, the story is there. The Roman Catholic Church perpetuated this. In fact, the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, According to Roman Catholic tradition, the disciple Mark wrote that. But it's actually, if you have scholarly investigation of, of the writings, the Greek manuscripts, and there are thousands and thousands of variants, different versions of the Greek manuscripts, of just the book of Mark, okay? The book of Mark that was actually modified later in the Middle Ages. It was expanded by, the, by a bishop in the Roman Catholic Church because they didn't like the ending, not Germain. But Mark is well known for the passion narrative, okay? That uh, the book of Mark, just give you a, a tidbit there. The book of Mark was literally copied and pasted into the books of Matthew and Luke, almost word for word verbatim. Okay? Now, I want to cover one topic first as a Jew that really um, gets underneath my skin and makes a lot of rabbis and a lot of Jews that are observant Orthodox equally perturbed at the Roman Catholic Church. Just to show you one example on how the Roman Catholic Church did not think that Jesus' ministry alone and the story that was told about his miraculous life um, in the New Testament could not stand in its own merits without going into the so-called Old Testament or Jewish Bible and monkeying with the scripture and changing things around. First use case here, just one example, case in point. The book of Psalms or Tehillim, chapter 22, verse, verse 16 or maybe 17, depending on the, your version of your Bible you're reading. There's a lot of versions out there, okay? It says in there, it talks about um, like dogs or like a lion or whatever. Um, you have pierced my hands and feet. I'm just paraphrasing this. I actually will post this later on the podcast, the scripture. So they say that, pierced hands and feet. Okay, just, just notate that. However, if you go into a word-for-word translation, like uh, the Art Scroll Tanakh, for the, the same uh, passage there, except it's verse 17, chapter 22. Why is it different? Don't ask me. It's not germane to discuss that right now. But anyway, it says says that that like a lion who's who's harassing me, chasing me. It talks about clawing your hands and feet and things of this nature. You're using your hands and feet to get away from a savage animal um, who's a predator, is chasing you, and things of that nature. If you read the entire chapter of, of Psalm 22, you will understand what, where King David is coming from. He was under the gun. 
He had adversaries. He had people that tried to kill him. You know the story as young David uh, that King Saul was trying to kill him. He's trying to kill him. He spent time uh, with the Philistines trying to hide from King Saul's wrath. And even then, when, when, when uh, King David was really king of Jerusalem, his own, tons, his own two sons uh, committed insurrection against him. He had a general that betrayed him. So there's a lot of uh, metaphors here, a lot of symbol, symbology here, that like a lion or like savage hounds or dogs or wolves or whatever, I'm using my hands to fight you away, and I'm using my feet to run away. This is what King David was talking about. In the Hebrew, it says nothing about piercing hands and feet, which of course is Christological for a crucifixion story narrative you would find in the Gospels. However, anthropologists who have actually researched this ancient form of capital punishment actually goes back to the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Even Alexander the Great, he brought it for the Mediterranean area, the Phoenicians and other, other nations there and not here anymore. He instituted it um, in, in, the, in, the, in the Greek Empire and then the Roman Empire used it too as an efficient way of intimidation for, for putting people to death, okay? What's interesting, did you know there's only one fossil find to this day that proves that crucifixion actually used an iron stake or nail, a spike, okay? There is an ankle bone or whatever they found, and it has an iron stake going through the ankle bone, okay? It's fossilized or whatever, but they, they see it, and they see it, how it's turned on one end because of ease of use. Iron spikes cost a lot of money and required a lot of resources because, of course, the Roman Empire used iron heavily for their battle ornaments, their swords, shields, everything. They took the, when these people would, had, had died on these stakes that they nailed them to and tied them to, they took the nails out, okay, and reused them. Not really germane. But what's interesting, they found uh, evidence of olive tree, olive wood splinters among this, this uh, ankle bone where the spike had penetrated from left to right or right to left or whatever. I'm also going to attach a picture here. So unlike what's described in the book of Mark where the Romans uh, put Jesus on the ground and they drove spikes through his palm of his hands and through uh, both of his feet and, and everything else and stood up this big, huge, towering mammoth cross. Like Golgotha, you see these paintings uh, of, of the three crosses there uh, just towering above you. You would look up and and get whiplash, it was so tall. However, olive trees do not grow that tall. They said that the stakes that were used for olive trees, and sometimes they had a cross beam, sometimes it was just a simple vertical stake to save money. It was pretty much at eye level. So, yes, uh, if you were a very tall man, you could actually look up a small, maybe 45 degree angle, and see the person's face. You didn't have to use opera glasses. It wasn't that far. It was this. 
this is this is really how people crucified. Even the writings of Josephus, antiquities of Josephus, talked about two of his friends were crucified. He used uh, he was a Roman citizen at that time. He defected um, um, from Israel to Judea after fighting those wars to save his own neck or whatever. He's a Jewish historian. He asked for favors and he, he got what he wanted. Yeah, his two friends were crucified. One person is already dead, so he had that body removed and then given a proper burial. The other person, get this, according to the writings there, actually survived the crucifixion. So you might want to ask yourself, how were they crucified in the first place? First of all, if you put a spike in someone's wrist or a palm, you would, you would pretty much bleed to death, right? But the actual representation of how people were crucified there in Roman, Roman times 2,000 years ago, and there were a lot of Jews that were crucified in various wars and in Zionist resistance movements and all of this, not Germain. But it, they, their, their hands were tied behind the vertical stake, behind the, 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 wooden, the horizontal wooden beam that made a cross out of this, and sometimes, sometimes not, both feet were on either side of the stake. And just picture this, you had a nail, a spike going in one end, and a spike going in another end. And sometimes when you went into a knot or whatever in the wood, it was very hard uh, to get that nail out or whatever. But this is actually, when they did use spikes to actually crucify someone, this is how they did the feet. Very unusual, an exception to the rule, if they put spikes in their hands and wrists and all this, okay? I'm just going to what we have historical anthropological proof of. So, and and, and round up in conclusion here, we have two things here. You have the monkeying and molestation of a sacred writing like Tehillim Psalm chapter 22, verse 16 or 17 where you take something way out of context. And in Greek, when the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church controlled the New Testament against all the illiterate people in the world at that time, it was in Greek and no one could understand it. And then they translated into the Vulgate or Latin and people did not understand that language very much either. For about 800 to 1,000 years, people were illiterate and did not know what these bishops were doing behind closed doors. You think about in Microsoft Word how you copy and paste and delete and cut and all this stuff. They were doing about the same thing in Greek, okay? So you had the, the, the molestation of the, of the chapter 22, verse 16, 17, as represented in the passion narrative of Mark, talking about you pierced my hands, you pierced my feet, saying King David was prophesying about Jesus' crucifixion. It's not true, folks, because if you just consider the argument that the Hebrew does not say that, just because it says it in a Roman Catholic canonized Greek Bible, does not make it true. And again, the only anthropological historical evidence that Jesus could quite possibly was crucified and tied to a stake or whatever was this one... um, uh, ankle bone that they found with an iron stake going through it, going through the bone. 
Now you have to weigh science, I'm sorry, weigh science, history, uh, evidence and things of that nature, writings, manuscripts, transcripts, all this stuff. You have to weigh it all together against your faith. But if your faith is being challenged through apologetics, you hear this term all the time, they teach us in seminary. You have to be able to defend what you're saying if you're trying to convert other people to your faith and, and religion. Or you're just like uh, the Methodist pastor Jim Jones, right? Who led his cult to suicide because he said he was the Mashiach, right? And it was the end of the world. Listen, I'm telling you this because I love you. I want you to be smart about this. People that base their lifestyle choices, their worldview on nothing more than blind faith can get in a lot of serious trouble. If Jesus was really what he said he was, he would have written a personal testimony about these events and not a lot of third-party storytelling that was, that was inconsistent across four Gospels. And again, remember this. The book of Mark was written after all the letters of Paul was written. And Paul didn't even mention, mention the book of Psalms with the piercing of hands. So get that. Anyway, Yarbin Emmett signing out. Shalom. Alechem to you. Peace. Peace to you, brothers and sisters. I hope to talk to you very soon. Please share the web of knowledge of the people. Investigate this out yourself. I use Bing as my primary search engine for this information. Check out my videos on YouTube. Yeah, it's YouTube slash Word and Board, the Torah Watchman, Yara Ben Emmett. Signing out. Take care.